Indeed, Father God, the war continues. And we thank you, Lord God, that we are victorious more than conquerors through you and through the victory that you've won because the battle is yours and the battle has already been done. So we thank you, Father, for faith and peace and removal of the spirits of anxiety and fear and distress and feeling overwhelmed uh, and anxious in the midst of this battle. We thank you, Lord, for tucking each one into the safety of the palm of your hand today that they will feel your peace and sense your presence, that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive the revelation of your love and truth, that we will not be discouraged, but we will understand what the will of the Lord is. We will be able to redeem these evil days, redeeming the time because the days are evil, because we understand the will of the Lord. So God, help us today, protect us, Lord God, and may this be a blessing to um, all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, there is just so much everywhere all the time going on that it's really hard for some of us who are kind of scattery in our thoughts and have lots of things going in our mind at one time um, to pull something out that kind of consistently makes sense, you know, in the argument or in the in the revelation of what we're speaking or understanding or trying to say. So um, today I'm going to talk on a big, big subject, and it's almost all-encompassing. It as actually... It is probably nine-tenths of the war that we're in, even though we're, we're distracted by lots of other little things like, um, you know, tweets and, uh, you know, uh, bills that are being passed, political arenas, bombs that are dropping, whatever all is. But our real issue and the real battle, the spiritual war, is between God and Satan for the souls of men that has fought, basically been fought in the battlefields of, of, um, of truth, faith, um, answers to prayer uh, and Jesus Christ. So the battle really has been going on in a long time. But the arena we're going to be talking about today is religion versus Jesus Christ. This is, like I said, about nine-tenths of where the war is really fought and lost or won, if we understand this concept. You know, in the Old Testament, um, you know, it started out, God gave them the Ten Commandments. It was They were uh, simple, you know, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And basically the Ten Commandments could not keep people uh, from killing each other. I mean, from loving, it wouldn't make people or force people to have to love each other. They just couldn't kill each other. So these were the commandments. And what had happened over the course of time, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the uh, the true intent of the, the spirit of God behind the commandments, his heart and his desire had never been caught or taught or it didn't kind of carry on down from the beginning to um, where we are today even. And so what had happened was the religious elite of the day had kind of expounded on the commandments. They had added to them. They had interpreted the laws until Jesus said in Matthew 23, uh, you, they have made burdens too grievous to be borne. They laid them on people's shoulders while they themselves, the religious elite, the experts on the law, do nothing to lift up a finger to help, to love, to encourage uh, those who are broken and downhearted, downcast. 
um, to encourage them. So the law wasn't really sent as much of an encouragement. It was more of a discouragement. And that's what we have going on today, too. We look at the law. Satan throws a bunch of laws at us and makes us feel bad and guilty and then judges and condemns us and accuses us. And then um, we try to dig ourselves out of a spiritual hole when, in fact, the only way we get out of that hole is through the, the redemption, the blood of Jesus Christ. But there's many people in the world who still do not know the spirit of God's love, his goodness, his grace, or his, his true nature. And so they're afraid of him and they try to please him. Yeah, and in the Old Testament, that, that same thing was going on. It's, there's some interesting scriptures where, we, where the people were um, drifting away from God because they had no love. They had no, they, their passion wasn't, there was no passion. Um, and there wasn't a distinction, really, a clear distinction between the God of heaven and earth and who he was and the pagan gods. So ultimately, eventually, they would just drift towards what was right in front of them, which was the pagan uh, ways of, you know, serving and worshiping their gods and offering sacrifices to those demonic deities. And so they would drift away from the heart of God, and then God would bring them back through a prophet, a prophet, or a, or through a, a an um, exile, or whatever it was, and then the people would come back to him for a little while, and then he'd deliver them, save them, you know, give them the victory in the battle, or whatever it was, and then they would drift away again, and then they'd have another king who'd come back, and he'd, you know, tear down the high places and and burn the idols and and get rid of the uh, you know the the demonic, uh, I don't know, pagan practices. And then for a little while, and then they would come back to um, God. And then after a while, they drift again. And so in Isaiah, there's a kind of an interesting passage, if I uh, can turn to that, where God, he's talking about, God is talking about fasting. And that's one of the main elements of a religious kind of um, uh, posture towards God. And he says uh, in Isaiah 58, uh, he says, you know, he says, I'm kind of putting my words to this because you can read it yourself in Isaiah 58. But um, the house of Jacob, my people, uh, he said to the prophet Isaiah, tell my people their transgressions. Here's what's really going wrong. Here's why it's not working for you. Here's why, you know, the thing I've given you, the the promises, the blessings, the, the goodness, the breakthroughs are not working for you. Tell my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me daily and they delight to know my ways. Uh, and to do righteousness, and they do not forsake the ordinances of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God, and they and they fast. It says, um, but then they say in verse three, "What well, we are fasting?" And they say, well, "You do not see. Why have you not heard? We afflict our souls, and you take no notice." Um, and he's they're saying, "Well, okay, God, we're doing all these things, practicing all these." Uh, things and taking all these difficult measures, fasting and, 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 and looking pious and, and supposedly going to church every day and going through all the motions. You can go through all the motions of everything you want and have no fruit of it if it's not born or truthfully um, wrought in God. So he says, um, you fast. Um, and he, he says, why haven't you seen? We afflict our souls. Why do you take no notice? And he says, in the fact that in the day that you fast, you find pleasure. You exploit all of your laborers. You haven't changed. You don't change your behavior. You just do some more practices of outward expressions. But inwardly, you're exploiting the laborers. Um, you fast for strife and debate, to strike with the fist of wickedness. Um, 
you will not fast as you do this day to make your voices heard on high. In other words, they think if they, like the pagans, if you, prophets, if you cut yourself enough and draw enough blood and scream loud enough, your God will hear you. God says, that's not the way I respond. That's not how you get me to respond. He says, is, is it a fast I have chosen? Did I tell you to go on this fast? Did I tell you to do all this religious performance and, and break your bodies and, and you know, wear sackcloth and, and ashes? Yes, and there were times in the Old Testament where God did say, okay, in the, especially with Jonah, you know, get in some sackcloth and ashes here and repent, confess. But that was being told to a, a pagan nation. These are God's people. They should know that the relationship with him is so precious they don't have to pretend so he says, um, so, you know, he says, is it to spread out the, cla- the sackcloth and ashes? Uh, what, is this what you call a fast? Is this an acceptable way to please and serve the Lord? And then he goes in verse six, is this not the fast that I've chosen? Now God is going to get to the nitty gritty of religion versus true relationship. He says, um, the fast, is it, to, is it not to loose the bonds of wickedness? In other words, to, to declare, expose, sin, uh, lift up righteousness, preach godliness, goodness, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is, is it not to become active in your faith? Is it, is it not to um, undo heavy burdens? In other words, you see people who are hurting and broken and you walk by because it's none of your business, it's not your responsibility, blah, blah, blah. Or do you recognize that these are precious souls of God who may be struggling under a weight that they need someone to help them lift? that way, like Jesus carrying the cross. Um, Simon of Cyrene was uh, kind of enlisted to lift up and carry that cross for Jesus or with Jesus. Um, Even Jesus shows us that he needed someone to help lift the load and he wants us to walk alongside of each other. He says, is it not to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free? How many of us oppress one another with our practices of witchcraft and bullying and controlling and insecurity when we think we're just, you know... um, we don't even see what we're doing. We don't even see how we're practicing witchcraft, uh, accusing, falsely accusing uh, one another and holding grudges. Uh, we don't see how an, an unforg- unforgiveness. We do not see how these things are oppressing our brothers and sisters. When you hold someone in unforgiveness because you're mad at them and you want to stay mad at them until you see God face to face and you can tell them all about it, you are holding them in a demonic judgment and giving agreement to the devil's plan to keep judging them, keep afflicting them because you agree with the devil that they need to be punished because you do not feel they're worthy of being forgiven. However, you don't understand when you hold someone in judgment, the same thing is basically being done to you because the devil says, okay, you judge not lest you be judged. So he's going to judge you for judging them. So we're holding each other in that place of oppression and God says, and is it not that you should be breaking every yoke? Is it not that you should share your, br- your bread with the hungry and that you should bring into your house those who are poor and cast out? In other words, let religion be truly an act of, uh, with, you know, an act of help. Um, true religion and undefiled before a man and God is this, that you help the widows and the orphans to feed them, protect them, take care of them, deliver those who are scheduled to die, the, those who are being slated for death, the innocent, the helpless, the unborn, that they would be protected by our, our strength and by our, uh, our love for them. To bring into your house those who are cast out and, and to see the naked to clothe them and to hide, not to hide yourself from your own flesh. In other words, share your, your relationships with each other. Uh, be kind. Ex- invite them. Know them. Get to know them. Love them. 
um, care about them, that they're worth, they're precious in God's sight. Then he says, your light will break forth as the morning and your healing will come forth speedily and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you shall call upon the Lord and he will answer. So in other words, if you stop doing all of your performance-based, um, you know, religious type of, of exploiting others and then thinking you're going to get your, your prayers answered and switch over and repent and start doing it like Jesus does it, love, forgive, embrace, feed, hold uh, hold on to help the broken then your prayers are going to be answered then your cry will be heard you know this is this is the the difference between having that those religious laws and rules written on tablets of stone and having them really written on the tables of your heart so when jesus um the people had drifted away in the old testament so when jesus came um on the scene what did he see he saw he saw the same thing just being carried out in another in, in continuing fashion of oppression. So he stood in the temple, uh, and he went down the, into the streets and the cities um, to find uh, what he had already known, that the, the, the grip, the, the thickening chokehold of religion had gripped the throats of his people. And, and, and the people who he had ordained had barely stumbled literally, to the finish line in bringing forth their assignment. Their one assignment was to keep their generation, um, their people alive so that they could bring forth the seed of the woman that was promised in the garden. So here he was standing as that promised seed in the midst of this disastrous thing religion had done with God's love and God's heart and God's uh, commandments. And so he, he was looking at this devastation, at this mess that religion had made of the morale and of his father's commandments, and th- that the true intention of his father's heart was lost completely, um, even, you know, even as people <laughs> were so screwed up that he, he exposed it. He really did. He, when he went into the places where he would pray for the people, especially those who were healed in the synagogues and on the Sabbath, which was basically the Sabbath was this usually, you know, the synagogues were open on the Sabbath, but so he, he would, you know, they were not, they were so screwed up. They were not comfortable. Exactly. was seeing, for example, the 18 year long spirit of infirmity cast out of one of their own, um, the daughter of Abraham. Um, although they still had enough common sense to figure out that if their sheep or their ox fell into a pit, on the Sabbath, it was okay to pull it out. Um, the question, the, the, the stark exposure was, that was not the daughter of Abraham more val- of more value than a sheep? And then the others, she could have waited till tomorrow. You know, the sheep can't wait. She's, she's just, a, you know, she can wait. There was not, um, and Jesus said, not a moment longer, not another second. No, we're done with this now. She is going to be healed today because I can do it because my father wants it done and we're not going to play the games of religion anymore. So Jesus immediately moved to demonstrate priorities, putting things back in their proper order and power uh, in, in, in spite of and in front of the spiritual resistance uh, that was just a groundswell all around him. Uh, however, he came to... Um, uh, bring his message and the common people, the broken people, the little people, the lost people, the discarded people, 
the uh, the people of no significance heard him gladly they came they were they were uh encouraged um so jesus really in this this war between um religion and uh jesus the war was set up to battle over truth over restoring the true heart nature and, t- and intentions of the father and the law had been given but now jesus had come to br- upset actually he was upsetting the religious gatekeepers and the controllers um, who, you know, who had exploited the people and exalted themselves above the law. Um, they would choose, like he said in, in Matthew 23, choose the best seats, the best places in the synagogue and in the feasts. And basically he had had enough of that. And he was going to, uh, there was no one who could turn this, make this right. No one but him, the, the people, the little people, what were they going to do? Um, so he had come to upset them and their presence, um, you know, uh, you know, and, and set up the commandment of God. He'd come to upset those who had perverted the, the Ten Commandments, the commandments uh, in the, given in the Old Testament, by setting up a new commandment. The new commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love is actually a foreign concept. It's an in, it's an incidental. It's unnecessary. Um, it's actually troublesome to the people who walk out religion. Um, who are you know they they've got their rules. They've got their rigidity. They've got their rigor. Their vigor. Their unbendable rules that are being broken all the time because they have to be perfect and something no one can do. It's, it's so they're, they're, the law is based on the concept that you have to be perfect, you have to be good to get to heaven. And Jesus said, there's none righteous, no, not one. So how would God expect us to be perfect to get to heaven when he already told us there's none righteous, no, not one? Doesn't matter how hard you try or what you do, it's not the way to heaven. And it can't be the way to heaven because it wasn't the problem. The problem was not sin. The problem was the death that came through the sin. So it, it had to be a death for a death in this um, uh, justification, in this, um, uh, you know, making things right, bringing back the true nature of, of what would heal and, and, and deliver. So the, it was a death that had to be given, not perfect performance, a death. And his was the only one that would be suitable. So if you understand it like this, the law is you know, hard for people to understand. They don't want to talk about, what's that? You know, what are we having for supper? What's the law? Who cares? I don't care about the law. What does the law mean to me? You know, it's really important that you understand because this is the foundation. This is the groundwork for every demonic, deceiving, deceptive thing that we're fighting right now. All of, you either have the truth or you have the counterfeit in everything. And Satan has a counterfeit for everything that God has. And so you either understand the spiritual battle and the, and the import and the importance of the difference of understanding the law versus love and the love of God and what that means, or you will be swept up into divination. You'll be swept up in all of the counterfeit offerings that the devil has concocted and created as substitutes to the real. So Paul said it in Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has misled you? Who has deceived you? You guys who saw Jesus Christ you know, himself, these were still hanging around as eyewitnesses of the, the, the resurrection and the ascension. These people, some of them were still, you know, in, in the bunch that he was talking to. 
And in chapter 3 of Galatians, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians. Now, these were Gentiles for the most part. But they, you know, he said, Who has bewitched you? Who has misled you? Who has tripped you up? Who has tricked you into believing um, that you can be saved through the law, through the performances? Only this I want to learn from you, verse 2 of chapter 3. Um, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So he's going to be setting these two things up. The law versus faith, you know. Are you so foolish? Have you begun in the Spirit, capital S, are you now being made perfect in the law? Are you going to work out your salvation now by going back to be good and, and keep all these religious, rigorous rules? Or are you going to move forward in a new capacity, not trying to manage the, the lusts and the affections and afflictions and, and, and appetites and needs of the soul, the flesh, the body and the soul, the flesh, or are you going to go and move into the higher level of walking in the spirit? He says, if you're going to do all this work and try to be good, you know, try to be good when in fact you already are good, created by a good God to be good, to reflect his goodness. He says, if you're going to work to be good, he said, then you're not going to have the power to work miracles. He says, you're not going to, if you don't walk in faith, he says, uh, who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you? Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So he's saying, as Jesus is presenting, as Jesus is in the beginning stages of presenting this new gospel of grace, power, moving in the spirit, walking away from all of this do's and don'ts, because you know what? If you know who you are, you know you don't even want to sin. You're made by God to not even like it. As a matter of fact, when you feel guilty for sinning, it's a proof that you weren't built by God to sin. Because if you were feeling, if you were built to sin, you wouldn't feel guilty because there'd be no, there'd be no contradictions. There's be, there'd be no uh, discrepancies. There'd be no, um, you know, feelings of falling short. There'd, there'd be nothing. But so when we are captivated by the law, here's the problem. It's all about me being good, looking perfect. What do people think? You know, got to try harder to be good and keep my act together. So the law is really like a mirror, a mirror that hangs in your bathroom on the wall. Um, it is an instrument that is used not to save someone. The mirror shows you the spot on your face, but it does not, and it cannot wash your face. And you wouldn't think of using the mirror to clean the spot off of your face. So the law is a mirror. Um, it cannot remove the spot. It cannot remove the sin uh, it cannot get the, you know, the only thing that can remove the sin is when the law, the mirror reveals, and that's all it can do is reveal your sin, reveal the, the, um, the spot, the sin, the flaw, the whatever you want to call it. And it, it and then you, the, through that revelation, we go to the word, we go to the water and the spirit of God. And it's, we're washed and cleansed by the washing of the water of the word, actually, Ephesians, uh, Ephesians even talks about that. So um, when we replace the true gospel of Jesus Christ or haven't yet heard of it or know of it uh, and, how, and the power of it to wash and cleanse, then we'll never know the power of walking in the Spirit because you can't walk in the Spirit unless you're walking in the gospel of grace and faith and truth. You cannot walk in the spirit and keep and the and try to keep the letter of the law. You you can't do both, or you can go back and forth and just dig yourself a rut and die in your rut, get stuck in your rut, and it becomes your grave. Um, but but for some, you know, what we have done is we've made 
that we've made the the mirrors ornate, magnificent mirrors um, that distract us from the truth of needing to be cleansed and healed. We become distracted by uh, worship the law. We worship the mirrors. We worship perfection. We worship, um, you know, all of the, uh, we actually worship ourselves. How do I look? How will other people see me? How can I um, uh, impress them? You know, or maybe the other side of that is I, how could I ever think I could impress them at all because I'm so nothing. So, you know, people have actually turned the, the, the mirror, the law, when Jesus came to set up the gospel of grace and good news, the law and the religious pe- people who are devoted to that, they actually had become, um, the law had become an idol to them. They were practicing idolatry by criticizing everybody else, you know, straining at a gnat and gnat and swallowing a camel and being hypocrites in every way, um, putting everything in place of God, anything, uh, man's opinions, man's performance. Uh, Jesus came and saw that everything his father had set up and given them had been, you know, turned upside down and they were falling prey to the devil's plan, um, which is to hold us, uh, confine us, restrict us to the law. It says, where there is no law, there is no transgression in Romans chapter, I think it's four. So the opposite is also true. Where there is law, there is transgression. So Satan wanted to hold us to the law so that he could find ways to accuse us uh, uh, of breaking that law, trans- adding up lists of transgressions so he can bring those things to the court of heaven so he can present his case against you to God and you have no idea that he's even doing this so you didn't show up in court that day and what happens then is you become, uh, 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 the judgment rests uh, in his favor until you find out that you have an advocate, Jesus Christ, and a faithful witness, Jesus Christ, and you can go to court and present your case against the devil which is what most people don't have a clue that they can do. They don't even realize there's a court of heaven that's open and active right now. Even though they cry out every day for justice, they never go to that court. They just try to find it among uh, men. They try to get the justice themselves. They try to get even. They try to you know, uh, poke out the other person's eye without getting theirs poked out. They don't know how to release the crimes to the Lord. So, um, so the, the law, the mirror, is now worshiped, and the power of the mirror um, to reveal sin is lost. So no one knows how to wash the spots off their soul. When, so when Jesus came, he came to bring us clarity. And, and if you look in um, uh, almost all the Gospels, well, the, the Synoptic Gospels, anyway, he talks about um, blessed are the, the poor in spirit. Uh, blessed are the more, those who mourn. Blessed are those who are, 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 are meek. Um, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, those who uh, are, are pure of heart, blessed, blessed, happy, good, we love it, are uh, the peacemakers, the ones who are persecuted for righteousness sake, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you're reviled and persecuted. and all. This, this, is, this is the new rules of the kingdom of God. This is a flip. This is a complete reversal of what it looks like in the world. You've got to, in the world, blessed are those who get what they want. Blessed are those who never have any trouble. Blessed are those who uh, can, um, you know, prove themselves and, and take control. Blessed are those who, uh, you know, are, you know, take advantage of. Blessed are those who uh, don't need God. Blessed are those who got enough money to take care of themselves. Blessed are those who are never 
persecuted and always motivated and promoted to the top of the line because of the up top of the hill or the front of the line because they are so wonderful. Blessed are those who are um, esteemed and, and put on the front pages of, of magazines as heroes and idols and, and man of the year. That's this world's kind of twisted perversion of what it means to be blessed. But God's kingdom, God's grace, he says, um, you're the, everything is flipped. Everything is flipped. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're going to be trodden down. You're going to be rejected. And Jesus is coming to clarify. He says, you know that commandment about thou shalt not kill? He says, well, you've already murdered if you hate people in your heart. You know that commandment about thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife? Well, you already coveted. You already sinned if you just even look at them to lust after them. So he's saying the commandments are impossible to keep. That's all he's saying. They're basically, they're impossible to keep. The only way you can keep them is have the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the law of God, the law of love, the law of God's for forgiveness written in your heart and written in, in your heart by the Spirit of God. We cannot serve God through our own flesh, through our own striving. So when he came to bring the gospel of grace and good news, all of the, um, you know, the, the, the true heart of God, the laws of God, the love of it was, was written by the Spirit of God in our hearts. Um, so that is the only way we can be brought back to the truth. And the truth brings freedom. And the fruit of freedom is righteousness, peace, and joy. All the things we're looking for come through truth. The, the truth brings freedom. True freedom is expressed in righteousness, peace, and joy. Now we're looking for righteousness. We're looking for a way to walk in that place of forgiveness and clean, cleansing, peace, to be peace at love, at peace with our neighbor, um, no anxiety within our souls, walk in the place of peace, righteous peace, and joy. Joy is strength and hope and goodness. That's what truth brings. If, you're not, if you don't have a lot of that going on in your life, you're probably in a place where you're still believing a lot of lies. And so we want to understand that Jesus came to bring us the, the true rendition, the true ex, uh, expression of the gospel of God, the heart of God. And you know, people you still have really wicked, rotten, twisted concepts of God and his, really for most of them, God would be diagnosed as bipolar and unpredictable and uncaring because, you know, he's always there just with his baseball bat ready to beat me up for sinning. Now that, that image of God, that definition that of God, that description of God is straight from the pit of hell because God is not that. It says in Hebrews that Jesus Christ was the expressed image of the Father. So that means that everything you see Jesus do, did, and, and he did was in, in response to what the Father wanted to do and did through him. So what's he out there doing? He's out there healing the people, cleansing the people, setting them free from crippling, uh, tormenting spirits and blindness and, and, and leprosy and, and a hopelessness. Uh, he's bringing them hope. He's... Um, you know, all of these lovely things that God the Father wants to do, Jesus was doing. And and then he says, now you got to forgive one another. You can't hold grudges. If you don't forgive, then I can't forgive you. He says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. Well, why won't he? Because he can't. Because he can't go against, you know, if you're going to hold trespasses and grudges and bitterness and judgments, against your fellow man, then the Bible says what you what you what you plant you're gonna pick, what you reap you're gonna what you sow you're gonna reap. 
And so God is saying, do this. You know, if, and if God tells us to forgive and God tells us to love and God tells us to, um, to be kind, to be patient to one another, if he's telling us to do that and he's not doing it himself, then he is the greatest hypocrite in the universe. And so, but our judgments against God have got us, got us into a, a place of alienation from God. And so Jesus came to restore the true relationship identity of not only who we are, where we came from and who we are, but who the Father is and what is his intention. Um, Jesus was obviously good and compassionate uh, to the broken, the rejected. And he, he, you know, really, those that were cast by the roadside of religion, cast off, you know. You know, how many churches do you have that they don't want the messy people in church and they sure don't want them sitting up front? They, they want the well-dressed, you know, look like they've got it together people who have their lovely little family sitting in their lovely little benches all in a lovely little row and looking just lovely, lovely. Like their gospel has got really good fruit going on because look at, look at, look at all these lovely people with their nice clothes sitting in the front row with no problems. That's not the truth. The truth is that most of the people have many problems. They're just looking, uh, faking it, you know, pretending so that the gospel of error, the gospel of good works can look like it's got good fruit when it doesn't have good fruit. It's got hidden. So Jesus was out there um, lifting up the broken, calling them from the blind beggar Bartimaeus. Where was he? On the roadside, begging in the sort of, I suppose, on the side of the road, actually, so he wouldn't get trampled. Jesus found these people, they found him, and they were mightily helped, healed, and made whole. And that was what he came to do, casting out the demons. He came to set things right, correct the errors that had had crept in through the demonic um, works of the Old Testament. And then even after Jesus left, Paul and the others had to start bailing out again the the lies and and expose them. And he said, um, in Romans, he says, there's a remnant that's 11. It says, Paul says, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. And the, the, the elect, you know, those who sought God in spirit and in truth found it. The rest of them were hardened. And so he says, even so at this present time, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. But if his grace, then it is no longer works. Otherwise, grace is not grace. But if it is of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is not work. So you can't mix grace and works. And he says, what then? The Israel has not obtained, you know what, in other words, the religious people had not obtained what they were looking for through the law, through the keeping of the law, because it, all it did was line up and, and expose their transgressions. But he said, the elective obtained it and the rest were hardened. And so he says, they had been given a spirit of stupor even to this day. And that spirit of stupor that God had to permit Satan to put upon the people because the people were accepting and believing and listening to him rather than God. And that's the rule whom you yield yourself servant to obey his slave to become. So Satan was enslaving the people because they were listening to fear. They were listening to the traditions of religion and law rather than receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they were hardened. They were put in a place of stupor. They didn't even see what was going on to this day. Now we have many people who say they follow Jesus who are needing to be brought out of that spirit of slumber, stupor, uh, blindness, because they're not getting it yet. They have to see it. This is what the real revival is going to be. When people see the difference between what they thought was God and what is God. And so, Father God, we thank you for 
the revelation of your love, your truth, your mercy, your goodness, your peace, and your power. And we ask you now, Lord God, to uh, reveal the grace, the gospel, the goodness of not only Jesus Christ, but our own desire for that uh, love and goodness because you're built, we've been built by you to love, lo- love, to love, love, to love goodness, to love grace. And so we ask you now today, Father, to give us the revelation of Jesus Christ that we won't do all of these religious works and become frustrated with you, but we'll walk in the spirit and become contented in you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you for listening today and also want you to check out a couple of books that are awesome, actually. Uh, one is called Diagnosing Your Family Tree, and we're going to be talking about that in the next show. About, uh, you know, there's a lot to what I've been talking to you about today with religion versus Jesus, religious versus grace. Um, and in, in, in Diagnosing Your Family Tree, there's a lot of really good, clear thoughtful explanations of what we've been trying to kind of take a uh, you know look at today and uh, so in there um on page 267 for those who already have the book recapping the devil's strategy and how he tried to destroy the plan of god the original plan that god had given uh and warp it and use it and twist it to promote the gospel of, of good news uh, to to warp and twist and pervert the gospel of good news from being um, laden and, and opened up and revealed into the hearts of people. So I would really recommend that you check it out, uh, Diagnosing Your Family Tree. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a kind of a heavy read. You might want to not read, <laughs> try to sit down in one night and read the whole book. You will not be able to, uh, or you will be able to flip through every page but not get much out of it. So that's what we're going to um, encourage you to check out today. And then also Cravings, another book that talks about um, a lot about law and grace. This revelation that I'm sharing with you has been a progressive revelation that's come to me over many, many, many years of, you know, following Jesus. And um, I was as bound in cults and religion and law as anyone else in the very beginning. And then God revealed the truth to me. So God bless you guys. Check it out, Diagnosing Your Family Tree and Cravings. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.